0: this is pastor joe sackett and this message is for you on christmas day it is um for those of us who well i spend christmas alone probably will have spent uh christmas eve with my family eating a dinner while they enjoy the uh the ways of the world and do you know gift exchange and all that and i do a little bit of that um I have five older brothers and one older sister. I'm the youngest of seven, one has passed away. I was in foster homes when I was a child and my mother lives 20 miles away now. And we have sort of restored a family, but I I grew up feeling alone. So when I'm sitting here with my cat, I think about the love of Jesus. And I think about the way the world is now and where we're at and how important it is to have you know while you're sitting at home and maybe you only have a person or two or maybe you're alone with an animal, you know, like me. And you want to know that Jesus is thinking about you and that he loves you. Um, additionally, there are people that have celebrated Christmas in the traditional way with trees and lights for their whole lives and never really thought about Jesus. It's more been about the good time, the family, and maybe we mention Jesus, you know, the tree, the lights, the whole thing. It puts you in a good mood. So I, I will not, um, go into whether it's pagan or not. There are lots of roots of it that are. But I've seen a lot of people go to church during this time of year and lay down their hearts and their lives before Jesus and get saved because of the Holy Spirit coming down on people singing Silent Night and hearing the birth, death, and resurrection of Jesus. So I made up my mind that this year, since God has blessed me with a platform, that I will be here for you. Who are alone. And those of you who are not, join me to hear the story of the birth, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ today, because all I can do today is honor him. So we're going to start in Matthew, the book of Matthew, the first verse, and I'm going to read the first three chapters. And then we're going to skip over to the book of John. We're going to talk about the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. So here we go. Matthew chapter one. These are the ancestors of Jesus Christ, the descendant of King David and of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac was the father of Jacob. Jacob was the father of Judah and his brothers. Stop before we go any further. A lot of you, a lot of you have tried to read the Bible and said, well, Why do they keep giving these genealogies of people? And I want you to understand that the genealogy is most important now at the end of days. And the reason why it is is because the pure bloodline of David from Adam was preserved. And then there was another bloodline from Cain that was not preserved. And they were messed with by fallen angels and Demons and many other things. And these bloodlines are at war. After the flood, what was left was the spirits, the evil spirits of the other bloodline, the non-Christ bloodline. That people now worship. People in high places of power worship. And those of us who have chosen to follow the Lord Jesus Christ are of the other bloodline. This may not make sense to you, but if you stick with this at ROR for a while, it will make sense to you and probably should already. But I want you to understand these genealogies were laid down, written in Hebrew for a reason. So Judah was the father of Perez and Zerah. Tamar was their mother. Perez was the father of Hezron. Hezron was the father of Aram. Aram was the father of Amenadab. Amenadab was the father of Nashon. Nashon was the father of Salmon. Salmon was the father of Boaz. Rahab was the mother of Boaz. Boaz was the father of Obed. Ruth was his mother. Ruth was the wife of Boaz. And if you want to know a love story, how a man who loves a woman should treat his wife,
1: follow Ruth and Boaz. Man, what a beautiful story. Obed,
0: which was their son, was the father of Jesse. Now, Jesse is where it starts getting good. Jesse was the father of David. David was the father of Solomon. His mother was the widow of Uriah. This is when David saw the most beautiful woman he'd ever seen in his life, fell slap in love with her. Kind of fell off the track of following God and had this man sent to the front line in the war, had him murdered. But he loved her. Men have made these mistakes before and God is merciful, but God gave him a heavy price for what he did. But still loved him. Solomon was the father of Rehoboam. Rehoboam was the father of Abijah. Abijah. I've always said Abijah for some reason in my mind. And I've heard everybody else say Abijah. So Abijah was the father of Asa. Asa was the father of Jehoshaphat. You ever heard of jumping Jehoshaphat? That's where that comes from. Jehoshaphat was the father of Joram. Joram was the father of Uzziah. Uzziah was the father of Jotham. Jotham was the father of Ahaz. Ahaz was the father of Hezekiah. Don't leave my video yet. Got about another minute and a half of these. And there's a reason for the genealogy. Again, you can go back to the beginning or I can just tell you now. The bloodline of Jesus Christ from Adam was kept pure. And if you think about that, you can find reasons for almost everything God told his people to do in the Old Testament. Including when they took over a land, killing all of their enemies. All of them. Every man, woman, and child. Sounds like a mean God, but it's not. God knew the devil was trying to corrupt the bloodline. To keep the Savior from being born. God made sure it didn't happen. In that same way, you can be very sure now that God will not let this world be destroyed by an evil devil. The devil has a lot of power, more than you and me, but does not have more power than we have in Jesus Christ. So, let's boogie. Hezekiah was the father of Manasseh. Manasseh was the father of Amos. Amos was the father of Josiah. Josiah is one of my favorite people in the Bible. Do you know why? No, you don't. Let me tell you. Josiah became king at a young age. And here's what happened. He sent his advisors to go look in the the Hebrew libraries about the prophecies of God. And when they opened it up, they found out there was a prophecy about Josiah. Josiah read that he was going to do wondrous things before God. And so he did. You know, I mean, I wish that everybody could be that way. I wish that, that, well, I have had visions of that. But I wish that everybody could be told by the Lord, you're going to come into your own and you're going to do this destiny. And you know what? It's going to be way better than anything you've ever thought. Anything. Just trust the Lord. So, okay, I'm talking a little bit too much about the genealogies, but let me finish it up and then we'll go into the birth of Jesus. Josiah was the father of Jeconiah and his brothers, born at the time of the exile to Babylon. After the exile... Shekiniah was the father of Sheltiel. Sheltiel was the father of Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel was the father of Abiud. Abiud was the father of Eliakim. Eliakim was the father of Azor. Azor was the father of Zadok. Zadok was the father of Akim. Akim was the father of Eliud. Eliud was the father of Eleazar. Eleazar was the father of Methon. Methon was the Father of Jacob. Jacob was the father of Joseph, who was
1: the husband of Mary, the mother of Jesus Christ, the Messiah.
0: These are 14 of the generations from Abraham to King David, and 14 from King David's time to the exile,
1: and 14 from the exile. To Christ. 42 generations.
0: These are the facts concerning the birth of Jesus Christ. His mother Mary. Was engaged. To be married to Joseph. But while she was still a virgin. She became pregnant. By the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph. Her fiance. Being a man. Of stern principle, decided to break the engagement, but to do it quietly, as he did not want to publicly disgrace her. Jesus's own earthly stepfather, or I mean, I guess stepdad, loved him, loved her, didn't want to hurt her, but here she shows up pregnant, and it's by somebody besides you, because she's still a virgin, and you haven't consummated the relationship, He sought to try to let her out of it, you know, to let her down easy. So as he lay awake, considering this, he fell into a dream and saw an angel standing beside him. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, don't hesitate to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her has been conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son. And you shall name him Jesus, meaning Savior, for he will save his people from their sins. This will fulfill God's message through his prophets. Way earlier, now 1500 years or more earlier, the prophet said, Listen, the virgin shall conceive a child, she shall give birth to a son, and he shall be called. Emmanuel, meaning God is with us. Now you notice how that Jesus has titles of glory. Many titles of glory. Emmanuel, God is with us. Jesus, Savior. Christ, Messiah. King of kings, Lord of lords, wonderful counselor, mighty God, prince of peace, holy one. I'm going to lay something to rest at this point. If you're praying to the name of Jesus or Yeshua or the Holy One of God or the Son of God, you're still praying to the right person. Don't worry about whether somebody tells you you're mispronouncing it. Don't worry about it. Okay. When Joseph awoke, he did as the angel commanded and brought Mary home to be his wife. But she remained a virgin. They they had no sex until her son was born. And Joseph
1: named him Jesus. Moms nowadays generally
0: get the final say on their son's name. But back then it was the men. And Joseph did what the angel commanded and named him Jesus. Exactly as the angel told. him. Jesus was born in the town of Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of of King Herod.
1: Judea was the Southern kingdom of Israel. I'm pretty sure, yeah, Southern kingdom and the North was Israel.
0: And about that time, some wise men from Eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem, asking, where is the newborn King of the Jews? For we have seen his star in far off eastern lands, and we have come to worship it. King Herod was very deeply disturbed by their question,
1: and all Jerusalem was abrush with talk. And they were filled with rumors. He called a meeting. King Herod called a meeting
0: of the Jewish religious leaders. Did the prophets tell us where the Messiah would be born, he asked? Yes, in Bethlehem, they said. This is what the prophet Micah wrote. O little town of Bethlehem, you are not just an unimportant Judean village, for a governor shall rise from you to rule my people Israel. Then Herod sent a private message to his astrologers and wise men, asking them to come to see him. And at this meeting, he found out from him the exact time when they first saw the star. Then he told them, go to Bethlehem and search for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. This was a lie from the devil. The devil's always trying to figure out the plans of God and always extremely like diligently trying everything God does, trying to stop it, trying to undo it, trying to come up with a counterfeit and trying to present people with cheaper versions of what God offers to people to get people to accept that less and and, and when you accept anything from the devil, the price is always your suffering, your soul, your death, anything he can do to really hurt you. It's, it, the price is never for your good. Okay, so after this interview, the wise men started out again and look, the star appeared to them again, standing over Bethlehem. They were, their joy knew no bounds. Entering the house where the baby and Mary and his, Mary, his mother were, They threw themselves down before him worshiping. This is not the birth of some important, you know, child of a king where people are like, hey,
1: congratulations. This is incomprehensible. This is the birth of the being into reality who created
0: The reality he decided to be born into. I want you to understand the power of this being uh, as much as you can. This is a being who could stop reality, start reality. And in fact, in fact, who did start it. And he decided to do this. And they knew it. They threw themselves down before him, worshiping. Then they opened their presents and gave him gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Which were the best smelling, the cleanest, and the most valuable things that human beings at the time had. This is what we got, Lord, and we're not even worthy of doing it. We're
1: bowing down to you and giving you our very best.
0: But when they returned to their own land, they didn't go through Jerusalem to report to Herod. For God had warned them in a dream to go home another way. After they were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up and flee to Egypt with the baby and his mother, the angel said. And stay there until I tell you to return. For King Herod is going to try to kill the child. I want to drop something that you really need to know that will help your entire biblical perspective here. People are like, well, if God's so powerful, why didn't he just, you know, and make it happen? This this is not the way the Lord God's plan works. Lord God created us with this absolute free will because we're made in his image. He has that. And because now we know good and evil, we've made a lot of mistakes. And God has determined that, though he knows exactly how it's going to go, he lets life happen. Good and evil and then when people seek him out and pray he intervenes on their behalf but when people don't seek him out and pray it's pretty much one person's random chance plus the devil's plans against them so the only way to get a positive spiritual supernatural response to that since god will not robotize the universe he will not force someone to do anything is a person choosing God they have to choose to call out to him and it's it's absolutely perfectly logical and fair when you begin to understand a loving God who would not force you to be a robot
1: All right, I'm going to pause for a second sounds like I have a cat that needs to be fed hold on
0: Resuming Matthew. After the wise men were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up and flee to Egypt with the baby and his mother, the angel said, and stay there until I tell you to return, for King Herod is going to try to kill your child. That same night, they left for Egypt with Mary and the baby and stayed there until King Herod died. This fulfilled a prophecy, which says, I have called my son from Egypt, which is Hosea 11.1. 1. You see, the Bible, even though the books of the Old Testament were written 3,000 years ago, a thousand years later, Jesus fulfilled these prophecies one by one. Sometimes it seemed like everyday events, but he even told them when in front of them, he just fulfilled the prophecy. This is the son of God. This is the Messiah. This is the Lord. This is the one who loves you now, who lives now, who sits on the throne beside his father, waiting to come take you away from this evil world. Herod was furious when he learned that the astrologers had disobeyed him. He sent soldiers to Bethlehem. He ordered them to kill every baby boy, two years old and under, both in the town and the nearby farms, for the wise men had told him the star first appeared to them two years before. This brutal action of Herod's fulfilled the prophecy of Jeremiah. Screams of anguish come from Rama. Weeping unrestrained. Rachel weeping for her children uncomforted.
1: For they are dead. Good versus evil. Good versus evil.
0: Let me say something about that real quick. Why doesn't God stop Herod killing all the children? Why doesn't God stop all the all the things? Your grandma with cancer, your your relationship from falling apart. God allows you to go through these things because whenever you get to heaven, you will realize that this life that you lived was like that. So it's not. It seems like such a big thing now that when you are redeemed in heaven. All your suffering will seem like nothing compared to the reward of just this, just faith in Jesus Christ. It's that simple. It really is that simple. And he really does deserve our worship this day, Christmas day. All right. So when Herod died, the angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and told him, get up. Take the baby and his mother back to Israel, for those who were trying to kill the child are dead. So he returned immediately to Israel and Jesus and his mother. But on the way, he was frightened to learn that the new king was Herod's son, Archelaus. Then in another dream, he was warned not to go to Judea. So they went to Galilee instead and lived in Nazareth. This fulfilled. The prophecy concerning the Messiah. He shall be called a Nazarene. So, two prophecies. I have called my son from Egypt, but he shall be called a Nazarene, both fulfilled by Jesus Christ. So far, that's just the beginning. When they were living in Nazareth, John the Baptist began preaching. Out in the wilderness. And his constant theme was. And this is where I'm going to stop here in Matthew. Turn from your sins. Turn to God. For the kingdom of heaven. Is coming soon. Isaiah the prophet. Had told about John's ministry centuries. Before he had written. I hear a shout
1: from the wilderness. Prepare a road for the Lord. Straighten out the path. Where he will walk. This is
0: Jesus fulfilling prophecy by being born. There are secular documents that prove the birth of Jesus. There are secular documents that prove the life of Jesus. Secular meaning non-religious, not in the Bible. There are letters from Caiaphas, the high priest, from Josephus, from a couple of other people that prove that Jesus walked and that he did miracles and that they can't explain them. Don't let anybody tell you any different. That is the truth. There are non-biblical documents prove the birth of Jesus at the time of the birth of Jesus, that he did miracles and that he's been in the places that the Bible says he's been. So now let's go to the book of John. Let's talk about who Jesus is. Who did he become? Whenever he started his ministry, you know, so, so he was born and he fulfilled a couple prophecies. So what? Let's talk about who he is. What is, what is Jesus? Not just who, but what is Jesus? So the book of John. Before anything else existed, there was Christ with God. He has always been alive and is himself God. He created everything there is. Nothing exists that he didn't make. Eternal life is in him and this life gives light to all mankind. His life is the light that shines through the darkness and the darkness can never, never extinguish it. God sent John the Baptist as a witness to the fact that Jesus Christ is the true light. John himself was not the light. He was a witness to identify the light. Later on, the one who is the true light arrived to shine on everyone coming into the world. Everyone, yourself included. That
1: light shines on you. You have to choose. This day would be a good day whom you will serve. As for me and mine, me and my house, me and my cat at the moment, we'll serve the Lord. We'll continue to do that till the moment he pops up.
0: But although he made the world, the world didn't recognize him when he came. Even in his own land and among his own people the jews he was not accepted only a few would welcome him and receive him but to all who received him now listen carefully to this he was rejected by his own people that he created but only a few
1: would accept him. but to all who accepted him he gave the right
0: to become children of God all they needed to do was trust him
1: to save them let me repeat all they needed to do was trust him to save them brother or sister If you have been staying away from making that choice, listen, man, the world's
0: in a rough place and people like me are sent to you to beam that light at you one more time. Make that decision right now, not later, right now. Because I don't know if he's coming before this message is over with. And if you haven't made that decision, You have chosen not to make that decision. And it's no longer in my hands. It never was in my hands, but it's no longer in your own hands if you wait. So please give your life to Jesus now. The Best thing you ever did. Okay, so he gave them the right to become children of God. All they needed to do was trust him to save them. All those who believe this are reborn, not a physical rebirth resulting from human passion or plan, but from the will of God. You see, you actually, people spend a lot of time in their lives using their souls, trying to do things like meditation, magic, all this stuff, trying to get power over life. Believe me, if you hear my testimony, I've done that. Once you make the decision to give your life to Jesus Christ, you have a connection to the most. Well, to God. The real God. Not a false God. Not little wimpy gods. Which are fallen angels. God of thunder. God of this. God of that. No, it's not the way it works. One creator.
1: One God. God the Father is the only God. His son is God. His spirit is God. That's how he
0: chose to deal with us. He came and lived among us and spilled his own godly blood so that you and I can actually become sons and daughters of God. Because he loves you. It's, It's that simple and yet it's that hard. You have to give up everything. And then you gain everything. And Christ became a human being. Now, you just heard me describe him as God, who has always existed and everything was made through him. He's been given the honor of being the, the man and God of creation. God the Father of pure spirit, something we can't comprehend, that even if we look at him, we'd be like, made it so we could actually get to look at him. And actually get to speak to him. Worship him. Be saved by him. and all that same power. Went through Jesus to speak. Create everything. He came and walked among us. He allowed us to beat him. Strike him. Kill him. And we still couldn't get rid of him. He's God. Christ became a human being. And lived here on earth among us. And was full of loving forgiveness and truth. And some of us have seen his glory. The glory of the only son of the heavenly father. John pointed him out to the people. Telling the crowds. This is the one I was talking about when I said. Someone is coming who is greater by far than I. For he existed long before I did. We have all benefited from the rich blessings that he brought us. Blessing upon blessing. Heaped upon us. For Moses gave us only the law. With its rigid demands. And merciless justice. While Jesus Christ brought us. Loving forgiveness. As well.
1: No one has ever actually seen God. But of course. His son has. For he is the companion of the father. And has told us all about him.
0: Jesus Christ has lived as a man and he has laid his eyes, man eyes, upon the face,
1: face to face, with God the Father. And he will give you that. He loves you. He's more powerful than anything that you're seeking in the world.
0: He deserves your love. He deserves your trust. He doesn't promise you a billion dollars because that's just junk. It's junk. Throw it away for what really matters. Buy gold from him. Refined in the fire. What do you buy it with, you buy it with your faith,
1: your trust. That no matter what you go through in this life, you can rely upon your Savior. The Jewish leaders sent priests and assistant priests from Jerusalem to
0: ask John whether he claimed to be the Messiah. He denied it outright. "I'm not the Christ." "Well, then who are you?" they said, "Are you Elijah?" He replied, "No." But Jesus had another word to say about it. He was Elijah. He was Elijah's mantle, specifically called before the world began. To announce the coming of Jesus. You see, uh, this is what one thing I love about this. I don't feel completely worthy at all of preaching the word of God. And I know that my brother and sister on both sides that run this broadcast don't either. But God has a different anointing and a different view of us. When the word of God goes out and people get saved and people get blessed and spiritual warfare gets done. The reason that we don't know our worthiness is because we're not worthy, but he makes us worthy. But other people get
1: this blast of the Holy spirit and we are nothing but thankful, but we didn't earn it. And you
0: too are chosen. If you're hearing this, you have been chosen by, by God and you need to act on it. You need to, if you need to go into your closet and get on your knees, whatever you need to do, say, God, I need you. I really want to know you. And then you let it go and you trust him. But you better mean it. Don't do it halfway. You can't do it halfway. It's not real. Do it all the way and trust that your feelings don't matter. It's your statement of faith. And you placing your faith in it and you walking in that faith. Are you the prophet, they said? No. They're talking to John the Baptist. Then who are you? Tell us so we can give an answer to those who sent us. What have you got to say for yourself? John the Baptist replied, I am a voice from the barren wilderness. Shouting as Isaiah prophesied. Get ready for the coming of the Lord. And then those who were sent by the Pharisees asked him, if you're not the Messiah or Elijah or the prophet, what right do you have to baptize? John told them, I merely baptize with water. But right here in the crowd is someone you've never met. Which is a mighty statement because they claim to be the
1: representatives of God. And he just basically said, you guys have never met God. But he's right here in the crowd.
0: Who will soon begin his ministry among you. And I'm not even fit to be his slave. And in most translations, it says, I'm not fit to
1: stoop down and untie or tie his sandals. The next day, John saw Jesus coming towards him.
0: Wait a minute. I got to go back a paragraph. This incident took place at Bethany, a village on the other side of the Jordan River where John was baptizing people. The next day, John saw Jesus coming towards him and said, look, there is the Lamb of God who takes away the world's sin. He is the one I was talking about when I said, soon, a man far greater than me is coming who existed long before me. I didn't know he was the one, but I am here baptizing with water in order to point him
1: out to the nation of Israel. Then John told about seeing the Holy
0: Spirit in the form of a dove descend from heaven and rest upon Jesus. I didn't know he was the one, John said again, but at the time God sent me to baptize, he told me when you see the Holy Spirit descending and resting upon someone, he is the one you're looking for. He is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. I saw it happen to this man, and I therefore testify that he is the son of God.
1: Then John's two disciples turned and followed Jesus.
0: Jesus looked around and saw them following. What do you want? He asked them. Sir, where do you live? They asked. Come and see, he said. So they went with him to the place where he was staying and were with him from about four o'clock that afternoon until the evening. One of these men was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. Andrew then went to find his brother Peter and told him, we have found the Messiah. And he brought Peter to meet Jesus. Jesus looked intently at Peter for a minute. And then said, you are Simon, John's son. But from now
1: on, you'll be called Peter, the rock. Or Petra. In the Greek. So, from here, Jesus walked and, and
0: picked up the disciples and lived the life of three years of ministry. And um, three little years for this. This is God because this man, three years of ministry on this earth and 2,000 years later, 2 billion people in the world claim to know. Him. Whether they do or not, whether it's 2 billion or not, I don't know.
1: But I do know I know him, and I do know you can know him. So, we're going to talk finally about his death and resurrection. I want you to understand this is the truth. This is not made up,
0: this is not mythology. This is not Odin, Zeus, Thor.
1: This is not aliens. This is not Anunnaki. This is real. So let's go jump up a little bit and uh, we're going to talk about the death, crucifixion, and resurrection of Jesus.
0: So we're going to go to John chapter 18. No. We're going to go to John chapter 17. I'm going to read you that whole chapter. You need to hear it. When Jesus had finished saying all these things, he looked up to heaven and said, Father, the time has come. Reveal the glory of your son so that he can give the glory back to you. That's love. When you love somebody so much, you want their glory and not your own. You share in each other's glory especially when you're, you know, capable of perfect love back and forth. For you have given him authority over every man and woman in all the earth. He gives eternal life to each one you have given him. And this is the way to have eternal life by knowing you, the only true God, and by Jesus Christ, the one you sent To earth. This is the only way. This is. What. All the people who do all the mysticism in the world. And all the witchcraft in the world. And all the demon worship in the world. And all the false gods in the world. Will never have.
1: They will never actually get. The highest. Level of attainment
0: or spiritual awakening they could ever get because everything they're doing is about their soul serving their soul trying to get more power they can call it good deeds all they want there is one way to god one way to eternal life jesus christ that's it end of story nothing else So. Let's read that again to make sure you know what I'm talking about. He gives eternal life to each one you have given him. And this is the way to have eternal life by knowing you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. I brought glory to you here on earth by doing everything you told me to. And now, Father, reveal my glory as I stand in your presence, the glory we shared before the world began. In case any of you have ever doubted that Jesus is God, these are the words of Jesus. The glory we shared before the world began. I have told these men all about you. They were in the world, but then you gave them to me. Actually, they were always yours, and you gave them to me, and they have obeyed you. Now they know that everything I have is a gift from you, for I have passed on to them the commands that you gave me. And they accepted them and know of a certainty that I came down to earth from you. And they believe that you sent me. My plea is not for the world. But for those you have given me. Because they belong to you. The plea of Jesus is not for the world. And those who love the world. And those who will cling to the world. Out of fear, hate, doubt. Hate of God. There's people that hate God. The lust of the flesh. The pride of life. These are things that take you away from Jesus. My plea is not for the world, but those you have given me because they belong to you and all of them, since they are mine, belong to you. And you have given them back to me with everything else of yours. And so they are my glory. This is the way it works with Jesus. Perfectly obedient as a man to his father, though he's God. His father loves him so much. He gives him back everything that he gave to him. But somewhere in that relationship, Jesus turned around to us and said, I want you. And gave us to his father. And his father accepted us and gave us back to his son. And now we're no longer part of this
1: world. We're aliens in it. We're the aliens. We're the ones who belong in heaven. And not on earth. Until Jesus makes the earth like heaven.
0: And all of them, since they are mine, belong to you. And you have given them back to me with everything else of yours. And so they are my glory. If you are saved. You are the glory. Of Jesus. You are also the righteousness of God. In Jesus. Realize what you've inherited. You better recognize. Now I am leaving the world. And leaving them behind. And coming to you. Us who are the glory of Jesus Christ. Have at this moment. Been left. Behind. We are still his glory. But he left us here. There's a reason. We're his hands and feet. Right here. And coming to you. Holy Father. Keep them in your own care. All those who, who you have given to me. So that they will be united. Just as we are. With none missing. None missing. During my time here, I have kept safe within your family, all those you gave me. I guarded them so that not one perished except for the son of hell, as the scriptures foretold. Jesus knew when he brought Judas into to be a disciple that he was a son of hell. And he let him do his role. He let him go through it. He let him become a disciple. Let him steal the money, he let him betray him. He let him. Jesus could, have, and there would be no Judas. That's
1: not the way God works, God proves himself in time. All right, let's keep going.
0: And now I am coming to you. I have told them many things while I was with them so that they would be filled with my joy, and I have given them your commands,
1: and the world. Hates them because they don't fit in with it. Just as I don't. I'm not asking for you to take them out of the world,
0: but to keep them safe from Satan's power. They are not part of this world any more than I am. Make them pure and holy through teaching them your words of truth. As you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. And I consecrate myself to meet their need for growth in truth and holiness. Something people miss when Jesus says this here, I consecrate myself. Consecrate means to make sacred. It's what the word we use when we ask God to consecrate our our holy oil. Jesus is, is telling you he's God right there. I consecrate myself. I make myself holy. There's no man or woman on this planet that could do that. No man or woman on this planet can make themselves holy. Jesus is the only one. And he's done it to us. He gives us holiness that we don't deserve, but is ours for the asking and the believing. I'm not praying for these alone but also for the future believers who will come to me because of the testimony of these. My prayer for all of them is that they will be of one heart and mind, just as you and I are, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, so they will be in us and the world will believe you sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, the glorious unity of being one as we are. I in them and you in me all being perfected into one so that the world will know you sent me and will understand that you love them as much as you love me. God, the father loves you just as much as he loves Jesus.
1: If you are hurting and you feel alone, I want you to listen to this. Just listen to those words. God loves you as much as he loves Jesus Christ. I want you to understand that. I want you to have joy. And know that your suffering won't be forever. And that your joy and
0: your redemption will be greater by far. There won't be a comparison between your suffering and your joy. So I'll say Merry Christmas right here and I'm going to keep on reading.
1: Okay? Or... or, Not merry Christmas. Just have a good holiday. You're not alone. You're loved. Father, I want
0: them with me. These you've given me so that they can see my glory. You gave me the glory because you loved me before the world began. Oh, righteous father, the world doesn't know you. But I do. And these disciples know that you sent me. And I have revealed you to them and will keep on revealing you. So that the mighty love you have for me. May be in them and I in them. This is the second part of this message. I wanted you to understand. This is a speech.
1: Of Jesus Christ right before he got crucified. Please understand that for 2,000 years, people have been preaching the truth. Some of it's been watered down. There's two sides in this world
0: now. There's the evil side, what we call the system or the dark side. And there's the children of God. And then there's some stuff in between. Some people that don't know what to believe or that are pagan and thus part of the dark side. They think they're not. And there's people that call themselves atheists or agnostics. Here's the thing. The people at the top echelons of the the system. They are more afraid of you who believe in Jesus. Even if you're spiritually weak and you don't know your power yet. They're afraid of your potential. They've got people working triple overtime. Praying against you, trying to curse you. They believe in the same Jesus you do. They're just following the other guy. And they believe in the flesh. They believe in the sex, the cannibalism, the blood. They pervert everything that God did. Because their God, their lowercase little God, doesn't have the power of our mighty God. So he has to try to copy everything he saw a big God do. But he doesn't do good he does evil he does every single thing opposite that's why we're going to have an antichrist because first we had a christ that's why we have witchcraft because first we had miracles that's why we now have transgender you know life all over the world because at first we
1: had a man and a woman marriage and children and holiness before god and marriage
0: there's it's pretty simple for all of it. You basically, take the opposite of what God has done, and Satan has done it that and has presented it to the world as an effective lawyer and salesman. So, let's
1: go to oh, well, I guess chapter 18 will do it. Mm, we'll go to 19. There, there is a part where. Judas
0: betrays Jesus. Well, let's go. Let's go ahead and do it. I'll just speed through this. I read fast. After saying these things, Jesus crossed the Kidron River with his disciples and entered to a grove of olive trees. Judas, the betrayer, knew this place. For Jesus had gone there many times with his disciples. The chief priests of Pharisees had given Judas a squad of soldiers and police to accompany him. Now with blazing torches, lanterns, and weapons, they arrived at the olive grove. Jesus... Fully realized all that was going to happen. He stepped forward to meet them. And he said, who are you looking for? they said, Jesus. I am he, he said. And as he said that, they all fell backwards to the ground. Once more, he asked them, who are you searching for? They all hit the ground on their backs. Then he said, once again, who are you looking for? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. I told you I am he. Jesus said. And since I am the one you are after, let these others go. He did this to carry out the prophecy he had just made. I have not lost a single one of those you gave me. Then Simon Peter drew a sword and slashed off the right ear of Malchus, the high priest's servant. I'm afraid that I would have been a very Peter-like guy. One minute walking on water, the other one talking mess to Jesus about, I'll never do wrong in front of you and then screwing it up royally. But I like his guts. So Jesus said to Peter, put your sword away. Shall I not drink from the cup the father has given me? So the Jewish police and soldiers and their lieutenant arrested Jesus and tied him up. First, they took him to Annas, the father-in-law of Caiaphas, the high priest that year. Caiaphas was the one who told the other Jewish leaders, better that one should die for all Simon Peter followed along behind as did another of the disciples who was acquainted with the high priest. So that other disciple was permitted into the courtyard along with Jesus. Now, King James Version says the disciple who Jesus loved, which is referring to John who wrote this gospel. Apparently he had a very deep friendship with the Lord Jesus. It seems like Peter was, like the leader, the main faith guy, you know, of the disciples. But John is also somehow especially close to Jesus. So while Peter stood outside the gate, the other disciples spoke to the girl watching at the gate and she let Peter in. The girl said, aren't you one of Jesus's disciples? And Jesus said, no, I'm not police and the household servants were standing around a fire they had made and it was cold and Peter stood there with them warming himself inside the high priest began asking Jesus about his followers and what he had been teaching them Jesus said what I teach is widely known for I have preached regularly in the synagogues and the temple I've been heard by all the Jewish leaders and teach nothing in private that I have not said in public why are you asking me this question ask those who heard me you have some of them here They know what I said. One of the soldiers standing there punched Jesus. Is that the way you talk to the high priest? If I lied, prove it, Jesus replied. Should you hit a man for telling the truth? Then Anna sent Jesus tied up to Caiaphas, the high priest. Meanwhile, as Simon Peter was standing by the fire, he was asked one more time, aren't you one of his disciples? Of course not, he replied. I want you to remember in the synoptic gospels, the first three, Jesus tells Peter, and Peter's like, I'll never betray you. I'm the dude. I'm the dude of faith. I believe in you. I'm your bodyguard. I'm I'm the I'm your right hand, Jesus. Jesus said, Peter, before the cock crows in the morning, in the morning, the same day. You're gonna deny you know me three times. So the first time was just a couple of paragraphs ago. And then he was asked again, aren't you one of his disciples? Of course not, he replied. But one of the household slaves of the high priest, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, asked, didn't I see you out there in the olive grove with Jesus? Again, Peter denied it and immediately a rooster crowed. Jesus' trial before Caiaphas ended in the early hours of the morning, and then he was taken to the palace of the Roman governor. His accusers wouldn't go in themselves, for that would defile them, they said, and they wouldn't be allowed to eat the Passover lamb. So Pontius Pilate, the governor, went out to them and said, what is your charge against this man? What are you accusing him of doing?
1: We wouldn't have arrested him if he wasn't a criminal,
0: they retorted. Then take him away and judge him yourselves by your own laws, Pilate said. But we want him crucified, they demanded, and your approval is required. This fulfilled Jesus' prediction concerning the way he would die. Then Pilate went back into the palace and called for Jesus to be brought to him. Are you the king of the Jews, he asked him. King as you use the word or as the Jews use it, Jesus said. Am I a Jew, Pilate retorted. Your own people and their chief priests brought you here. Why? What have you done? Then Jesus answered, I'm not an earthly king. If I were, my followers would have fought when I was arrested by the Jewish leaders, but my kingdom is not of this world. Pilate replied, but you are a king then. Yes, Jesus said, I was born for that purpose and I came to bring truth to the world. All who love the truth are my followers. Right on radio, fam, you're here because of the truth. You're here because of the truth. All who love the truth and who love Jesus
1: are his followers. You're here to follow Jesus.
0: If you're not part of that yet and you've been waiting to make the decision, do so. What is truth, Pilate exclaimed. Then he went out again to the people and told them, he's not guilty of a crime. But you have a custom of asking me to release someone from prison each year at Passover. So if you want me to, I'll release the king of the Jews. And that's how he said it, like sarcastically. But they screamed back, no, not this man, but Barabbas. Barabbas was a robber. Then Pilate laid open, I want you to understand what he went through for you, and listen to this. Picture this. Pilate laid open Jesus' back with a leaded whip. I would recommend you watch uh, No, nah, I'm not going to say that, but do you it's a whip with pieces of metal in it. And they hit him in the back 39 times with like nine, nine, you know, a cat and nine tails. 39 swings, as hard as a guy could do with lead at the end of these tips of these whips. It just ripped the flesh right off of you down to the bone. So they did that to Jesus. That's the start. And the soldiers made a crown of thorns and placed it on his head. The thorns over there in Israel were about that long and they pushed it down on his head until it poked into his skull
1: and blood was coming out everywhere, down his eyes, down his face, down his head. And then they made a crown of thorns and placed it on his head and they robed him
0: in a royal purple robe. They were mocking him. Hail, King of the Jews, they mocked and then punched him with their fists. Pilate went outside again and said to the Jews, I'm going to bring him out to you now, but understand clearly that I found him not guilty. This sounds cabal. Man, this sounds cabal. Sounds like I'll be standing in front of Joe Biden and saying, yep, he's a good patriot. And I'm not responsible for my army shooting him in the head. I said, he's cool. That's exactly what this was. Then Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, and Pilate said, behold the man. At the sight of him, the chief priest and Jewish epistles began yelling, crucify him, crucify him. You crucify him, Pilate said. I find him not guilty. Either that or Pilate was genuinely scared of God's wrath. They replied, by our laws, he ought to die because he called himself the son of God. And When Pilate heard this, he was more frightened than ever. He took Jesus back into the palace again and asked him, where are you from? But Jesus gave no answer. You won't talk to me, Pilate demanded. Now listen to this. Don't you realize I have the power to release you or to crucify you? Then Jesus said, you would have no power over me at all unless it were given to you by my father. So those who brought me to you have the greater sin. Then Pilate tried to release him, but the Jewish leaders told him, if you release this man, you are no friend of Caesar's. Anyone who declares himself to be a king is a rebel against Caesar. At these words, Pilate brought Jesus out to them again and sat down at the judgment bench on the stone paved platform. It was now about noon of the day before Passover. And Pilate said to the Jews, here is your king. Again, they said away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate said, what, crucify your king? We have no king but Caesar. The Jews, the chief priests shouted back. Then Pilate gave Jesus to them to be crucified. So they had him at last. And he was taken out of the city, carrying his cross to the place known as the Skull, which is Golgotha. In Hebrew, Golgotha. There they crucified him and two others with him. One on either side with Jesus between them. Crucifixion is this cross that not, you're not just standing up like this. You're hauled up in the air. Tied on to the ends of the cross. And through each wrist. To hold you up. They have to take take like a railroad spike. And nail it through your wrist. Well I think to the wrist. But it could be the palm of the hand. Because I think Jesus says look at my hands." So either way. One or the other he's nailed up there. And then they cross. The legs.
1: And they put a nail through. Both feet. Can you imagine being awake while they're hammering that? After being beat mercilessly,
0: having your head stabbed by a forceful pushing down of really, really big, sharp, long thorns by people who really didn't care if you lived or died. Devilish, demonic people. and Having your back ripped open at least 39 lashes from a whip with metal in it.
1: Why did he do that as God? Why did he do that? When he could stop that? Okay, He did it for you. He did it for me. It would take God to be able to do that. Okay, so
0: there they crucified him. Pilate posted a sign over him that read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. The place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and the sign born was written in Hebrew, Latin, and Greek, so that many people read it. And the chief priest said to Pilate, change it from the King of the Jews to, he said, I am the King of the Jews. Pilate replied, what I have written, I have written. It stays exactly as it is. In a way, this to me tells me that Pilate was afraid of the wrath of God and he knew that Jesus was, in fact, the king of the Jews, in fact, the son of God. He tried to avoid being guilty for this in every way he could. So a little bit more about the crucifixion. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they put his garments into four piles, one for each of them, but they said, let's not tear up his robe for it was seamless, which means it was really high quality. They gave him, to mock him, they gave him a a robe that would be fit for like an emperor. And um, there's a prophecy about casting lots for Jesus' clothes. There's another prophecy about not one single bone will be broken. Normally when they crucified people to make sure they were dead, when they came down they would break their legs and break their arms to make like the dead bodies, they'd break their limbs to make sure they were dead. They did not do that to Jesus. So they divided my clothes among them and they cast lots for my robes. Standing near the cross where Jesus' mother, Mary, his aunt, the wife of Cleopas and Mary Magdalene, when Jesus saw his mother standing there beside her, Beside me, his close friend, is talking about John. John was standing there watching. This guy who wrote this book stood there and watched Jesus get crucified. This is his story
1: of what happened.
0: He saw it. This is first person. And he was standing next to the mother of Jesus Christ. This is what Jesus said to him. He said to the mother first. He is your son. And then to me, he said, she is your mother. And from then on, I took her into my home. Mary, the mother of Jesus, lived with John for the rest of her life. Jesus knew that everything was now finished and to fulfill the scriptures said, I am thirsty. Because there's a prophecy about them giving Jesus gall, which is wine mixed with vinegar and sour. A jar of sour wine was sitting there, so a sponge was soaked in it and put on a hyssop branch and held up to his lips. When Jesus had tasted it, he said, it is finished.
1: And he bowed his head and dismissed his spirit. He obeyed God for my sins and yours. Billions of us between now and when he died
0: and billions, maybe hundreds of millions before that,
1: Jesus paid for everybody's sin right then, right there, once and for all. Everything, every evil, dirty, nasty thing you've ever done or thought, Jesus paid for. Me too. Not one of us deserves it. Not single one of us deserves it. Okay, so. They didn't break his bones. I'm going to skip
0: past the, the Pharisees finding that they didn't break his bones and all that. So. Afterwards, Joseph of Arimathea, who had been a secret disciple of Jesus for fear of the Jewish leaders, boldly asked Pilate for permission to take Jesus' body. Summarizing, he used the tomb that he had bought. He wrapped up Jesus' body in the the holy traditional way with spices and aloe and embalming ointment made from myrrh. And Nicodemus also helped him, was a friend of Jesus's, and they brought a hundred pounds of this embalming ointment, myrrh and aloe, and they wrapped his body with a long linen cloth saturated with the spices, which is the Jewish custom of burial. The place of crucifixion was near a grove of trees where there was a new tomb never used before. So because of the need for haste before the Sabbath and because the tomb was close at hand, they laid him there. Here's the reason we're here, folks. Early Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb, the tomb, and found that the stone was rolled aside from the
1: entrance. She ran and found Simon Peter and me and said, They have
0: taken the Lord's body out of the tomb, and I don't know where they have put him. We ran to the tomb to see, and I outran Peter and got there first. And stooped and looked in and saw the linen cloth lying there, but I didn't go in. And then Simon Peter arrived and went inside. He also noticed the cloth lying there, while the swath that had covered Jesus's head was rolled up in a bundle and was lying to the side. and I went in too and saw, and I believed that he had risen. For until then, we hadn't realized that the scriptures said he would come to life again. We went on home. And by that time, Mary had returned to the tomb and was standing outside crying. And as she wept, she stood and looking in and saw two white-robed angels sitting at the head and the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been laying. Why are you crying? The angels asked her. Because they have taken away my Lord, she replied, and I don't know where they put him. She glanced over her shoulder and saw someone standing behind her. It was Jesus, but she didn't recognize. Him. Why are you crying? He asked her. Who are you looking for? She thought he was the gardener. Sir, she said, if you have taken him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will go and get him.
1: Mary, Jesus said, and she turned toward him. Master, she said, don't touch me, he cautioned, for
0: I haven't yet ascended to my father. But go find my brothers and tell them that I ascend to my father and your father, my God and your God. If I get a little teary out of this, you better not make fun of me. Mary Magdalene found the disciples and told them, I have seen the Lord. And then she gave them his message. That evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors in fear of the Jewish leaders when suddenly
1: Jesus was standing there in the middle of them. He came through the wall or just appeared.
0: After greeting them, he showed them his hands and his side, and how wonderful was their joy as they saw their Lord. He spoke to them and said, as the Father has sent me, even so I send you. Then he breathed on them and told them, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you refuse to forgive them, they are
1: unforgiven. A lot of people don't talk about that, but I know the power of that. It's very, very serious.
0: One of the disciples, Thomas Didymus, the twin, was not there at the time with the others. And they kept telling him, we have seen the Lord. He said, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands and put my fingers into them and place my hand into his side. Because he was stabbed by a spear in the side. Eight days later, the disciples were together again. And this time, Thomas was with them. They had the doors locked, but suddenly, just as before, Jesus was standing there among them and greeting them. Jesus pops up and is like, hey, guys, God can go wherever he wants. So he can pop up and say, hey, guys. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger into my hands. Put your hand into my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. Now the next verse is very important and I want you to understand something. Followers of God and unbelievers in God, if you have never heard or you've always thought the Bible does not say that Jesus Christ is God, I want you to listen
1: to this next verse. Very carefully. Let me read the first one first. Put your hands
0: into my side and don't be faithless any longer, believe. And here is Thomas, an apostle's response. My Lord and my God, Thomas said. Jesus' disciples saw him do many other miracles besides the ones told about in this book. But these are recorded so that you will believe that he is Messiah, son of God, and that believing in him, You will have
1: life. There's a lot more. I hope that by reading and preaching this to you, that you have begun to get a picture of Jesus Christ and what the real reason is for the season. And what salvation really means. And I want you to know that you're not alone right now. You are loved. Who was this man, Jesus? He's God, the Redeemer of your soul, your father, your brother, your Lion of Judah. And the lamb who
0: understands your pain. He's all that. So I hope that this has helped bolster your faith. I love you in the name of Yeshua. Uh, I'm going to add a clip to the beginning of this with a little music, I think. Or at the end, one or the other, depending on which one is easier. But God bless you. I say Merry Christmas, but I mean celebrate Jesus. Take care. Oh. Let's pray out. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you that this time we come together, that we can be one in you and with you. Jesus, I pray that you just teach us every day. Lord, thank you for coming down from heaven. Though you created heaven, you created earth. Thank you for coming down. Walking among us. Teaching us to love you. Forgiving us for being short of you but showing us that your father loves us just as much as he loves you. Help us to follow you, Jesus. Give us power and strength to follow you and to fight your enemies. Glory to you,
1: Jesus. And thank you in your holy name. Amen. Right on, right on, right on. Right on Radio. Right on Radio.